Hi and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth. This is our annual trip to InfoSec where we get to talk to the best, most influential people in the cybersecurity industry. Sit back and enjoy the next few weeks of our brilliant coverage from this fantastic event. Hi and welcome uh, back to returning favourites. I, I prefer well, long time listener. Yes. Second time caller. Awesome. That makes sound like, that makes sound I like, like an agony like channel. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So, Rick, reintroduce yourselves. For those who missed, and if you did miss, stop, rewind, go and find Rick's podcast from last year, InfoSec. It was fantastic. And then come back to this point. Yeah, you But for those who, those who were stupid enough not to listen to your podcast last year, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Yeah, Rick McElroy, security strategist for Carbon Black. Flew all the way over from uh, San Diego. And yeah, definitely go listen to last year's podcast because Patrick Morley, our CEO, is on it. And yeah. He's much smarter than I am. So oh, I don't, yeah, I, he has much more sage things to say. So. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. But uh, <laughs> no, we've, I must admit, so uh, for those of you who don't know, Rick and I actually did a press briefing. Um, was it la- late last year? Yeah, yeah, that December. Was, uh, yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. We, um, we got to stand up in front of a bunch of... Uh, bunch of people who actually listened to us, took a bunch of notes. Um, and I must admit, one of the things that you came out with in that I actually put into my trends article for, for this year. So, um, what was come it? On, come on, come on, which one? We, I had to sit through that. It recording. wasn't aggressive AI. It was... Um, offensive AI? Offensive AI. Yeah, now everybody's talking about it. not come up with that on your own. Everybody's talking about it. The best form of flattery is copying. I mean, that's what plagiarism is the way I agree. I, I steal in credit all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. is, it, is it stealing if you credit? I don't, no, I don't, I don't think so. Plagiarism. Plagiarism. It's a technicality. But no, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. I must admit, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that, that actually stemmed from a conversation with a good buddy of mine. So I'll, I'll credit uh, Scott Shefferman <laughs> out there if you're <laughs> listening. Oh, so we Scott, yeah. Are we crediting now? some credit? Yeah, exactly. Like no, no, no. It. I got I to gotta credit where credit's due. We... We, uh, we do get lucky once a year, you know, we hang out at Hacker Summer Camp in Vegas and at like 2 a.m. we start talking about things and what are you saying, what are we saying? And uh, I think we both agreed on it and uh, turns out now it's a thing and now people are talking yeah. about it. And yeah. There you go. So yeah, it certainly feels like it. So what has changed in a year at, at Carbon Black? I can only imagine loads. Uh, it, it's actually been an unreal rate of velocity of change in our company. So. Uh, you know, everything from becoming a public entity to launching new cloud services. On that, by the way. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, launching new cloud services, right? Uh, we, we pivoted last year. I think we talked a little bit about this from uh, Waterfall to Agile, right? Ooh, so, um, nice. you know, 350 plus people in a room uh, uh, every 12 weeks deciding on what we're going to sprint and get out there for customers. Wow. Uh, and so it's been amazing. And then just an amazing amount of growth. Uh, you know, we're, we're over a thousand people now, which is awesome. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. That is it, it really is. I, I've been blown that, away. Every yeah, time that's a step up from 12 months ago, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, every time I go to the home office, I have to reintroduce myself to like <laughs> to like hundreds of people, not just now tens you, of people. Now yeah. you've got two wow. podcasts to help you do that. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank go. you, guys. There you go. Yeah, just listen to my podcast. It's fine. I've never heard you say that before. Yeah. So so what's happened in the product? I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So actually, actually, let's, let's start one further back, one, one piece back, because I think one of the things that we was really interested in talking about, talking with you last year, was your view on on the market, the, the, the current state of, of threats, the current state of, you know, our readiness to, to tackle hmm. the sort of the, the latest and greatest that the uh, bad guys have to throw at us. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that, that really made it an enjoyable podcast to me is because when you educated us on this, this whole concept of threat mm. hunting, and that's yeah. the one thing that stuck with me, uh, because... 
you know what? Going on the offensive. You know what? It's just how many times do we sit down and go, well, wouldn't it be good if we could do that? Wouldn't yeah. it be great if we could do that? Or, oh, God, that's so obvious. Why has nobody else thought of it? But yeah. something like, yeah, the threat hunting piece and getting out there and being proactive, it's its like taking vitamins, right? Yeah, it, it really is. And I, and I think what I've seen over the last four or five years is that that's becoming, uh, I, I don't want to say routine in the enterprise, mm. uh, but it, but fairly common out there that you're going to have that practice. You're going to hire threat hunters um, with a specific mission. So it's a, it, it's kind of moved from, uh, and, and I like what you guys did, by the way. Uh, last year, it was the art of security. Yeah. This year is the science. And I would say threat hunting uh, is is way more of a science than it, than it was yeah. uh, in previous years, right? So there's there's maturity models that are out there. Um, there's ways to actually uh, measure your metrics and drive performance as a threat hunting team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that stuff's matured, and it's been cool to be to be a part of that. It's Carm Black, yeah, for sure. That's cool. awesome. So I mean, other than obviously threat hunting becoming more scientific, what are the what are the threats that we're facing yeah. now? Because obviously. Last year it was very ransomware. Yeah, yeah. You know, what what sort of things are we are we looking at today? What what's the, what's on the horizon? Horrible things on the horizon. Yeah, oh. so it's, so it's interesting, right? Uh, last year uh, we put out a report. Um, ransomware moved from a two hundred fifty million dollar industry to a five billion dollar industry, largely Jeez. due to the, the infrastructure that was stood up, uh, and then the readily uh, 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 availability of things like customer support out there for people who want to go start ransoming people. Oh, crikey. Um, Do you, I remember that. Yeah, I right? Just, so, I, so, so then, then here's uh, what happened. Ransom, ransoming got so bad that companies couldn't go acquire Bitcoin fast enough, right? So, so as an example, if a company wanted to do it today, uh, four days at best to get your wallet stood up. It takes a while to get a wallet stood up. Then you got to go actually procure the coins. So let's say that's like half a million dollars in coins. Like, that's a lot of coins to go get. Um, so the bad guys weren't getting paid. And company systems were down for a longer period of time. So the wow. bad guys looked at that and they said, hey, I want an ROI on the time that I spent. And they pivoted to like crypto jacking, not all of them. But crypto jacking certainly become uh, sort of the nuisance du jour. So I'll put it under the nuisance <laughs> category of, hey, it, it, it's a commodity piece out there that people have to worry about. Um, so just give us, I mean, yeah. just for the people who don't know at home, give us 30 seconds on what, what is crypto jacking? Yeah, so, so basically uh, I'm going to take over your endpoint and I'm going to have it mine Monero for me. Right. So uh, it's going to mine based on the processor that you have. It's going to take up all the resources. Uh, Once it actually mines a coin, it'll send it to my wallet. And uh, so essentially I'm printing cryptocurrency um, on someone else's endpoints, as opposed to like if if I wanted to go and be a legitimate miner, uh, I would have to buy a bunch of uh, systems and or expensive hardware to go after Bitcoin. Stand it all up, and then yeah. and then of course pay like two thousand dollars a month for electricity, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's so yeah, it's pricey. Yeah. yeah, unless you're going to build a data center in a, a shack in well, Mongolia, but it's yeah, driven yes. and things like that. Yeah. So so so, um, so for the attackers, it's like look, it, the the level of effort is super low, the, yeah. the uh, ROI is super high, uh, and so they're going to continue to do those things. I think one of the things uh, that we've seen, and, and I'm I'm talking to folks about while we're here, is mm. uh, this idea that that the bad actors are moving away from PowerShell. Um, so, so based on research, uh, Carm Black will have coming out and uh, a lot of other people that I talked to, um, you know, po- PowerShell was a thing. Uh, it was easy to get a hold of and run around. Microsoft's done some stuff to secure it. It's gotten a bit better. And then, of course, all the endpoint vendors kind of kind of motion to provide visibility into that. So what we're seeing is things like WMI attacks uh, being used now. Um, Bash coming to Windows is going to be really bad by the end of the year. Um, so, so if you can if you can keep Bash off your endpoints, uh, you probably should. Uh, I believe someone on our threat research team, it might have been Jimmy or someone else, just published an article about that too. So yeah, Bash on Windows, like it's 
uh, yet another shell down there for bad guys to interact with. So, blimey, I didn't even I hadn't even thought about the uh, implications of that. I would have thought that would have been relatively secure, but I'm assuming it's the implementation which is going to be the issue. Yeah, and, and I guess I need 50 command line tools to manage a Windows box. I, I <laughs> you know, so at some point it's like, yeah, I get it, uh, I get it, but we we got to start to consolidate some of those management tools. So most importantly, come black. Yeah. You know, obviously how's the product sort of adapted and grown and matured to, to be able to continually sort of protect the end users against what is just an absolute crazy world that we live in? Yeah, totally. So, um, I mean, if you look at our, our big launch, right, so our predictive security cloud, um, you know, re really around, uh, I think it was uh, Q3 or Q4 uh, last year, you know, we launched a, a, a new offering, which really for us represented um, next-gen AV, and EDR combined, right? So it's sort of the convergence from a market perspective, uh, both of those disparate functionalities. Mm. Uh, so, so now everyone wants to uh, do EDR. Um, you see Gartner, I think Gartner's put a thing out that says EDR will just become a component of EPP at some point, right? So, so yeah, as a defender, um, I want all the things from one agent. So we've worked extremely hard to do that for, for customers, right? So uh, similar premise to CB response, you have a sensor that sits on the endpoint, collects unfiltered data, streams that up to the cloud. The difference being, instead of just detecting and giving you the tools to respond, uh, we still do that, but we also give you prevention policies to, to block some of that stuff as well. So uh, we've seen a huge adoption of our uh, predictive security cloud. Uh, and, and I think for small and mids out there, it's it's been great because it is it is better AV, so you get better efficacy. Um, but the tools that we give the defenders out there to reach out to the endpoints, to clean things up, uh, to do what we call live ops. Mm -hmm. um, so live ops is really, uh, if you're familiar with um, the shell that we built into our sensor, so the ability for, for an IR professional or a SOC team to go to the endpoint to do things like memory, memory analysis and dumps, um, uh, grab artifacts off the disk, change registry settings, do all of that good stuff and then automate and orchestrate it. Uh, we brought that into uh, our new product and then uh, we also created the ability to do uh, to query for other information that we don't collect on those endpoints. Yeah. So when we talk about live ops, it's really being able to give some of those tools centrally back to the defenders um, so that they can see the attacks and then go disrupt the behavior as fast as possible. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. We think so. We think so. so. You, We're really, very proud of it. Yeah, you've really kept in with that threat hunting sort of um, mindset and giving people the ability to go and actually find, detect, but then also remediate and, and, and protect and sort of cure as well. Yeah, and, and then again, given a platform uh, where you can start to threat hunt proactively, uh, and this is a brand new concept for SMB out there, right? It, this idea that I need to go look for something in my environment, not yeah. wait for a symptom, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so being able to do things like guided threat hunting, right? Or, or uh, launching a service like ThreatSight, which is, uh, you know, our SOC team, looking at customers' data who sign up for that, and then escalating uh, uh, appropriate mm. alerts that they might miss, right? Those are all things that like the industry has asked us for, our customers have asked us for, and, and that's sort of been our response as an organization to, to, to hear them out and then, yeah. and then get them a platform that'll work for them. So you're saying this, this sort of stuff is actually available for SMB, so it's got down to a price point now where actually it becomes something that even those sort of organizations, smaller organizations can actually take advantage of. Yeah, definitely. So it's got to be, uh, that particular solution has to be priced comparatively with yeah. AV. Um, and yeah, we, uh, I can't talk about the numbers, but we've, we've had a huge no. adoption of that cloud, right? So, so needless to say, uh, customers seem to enjoy it and uh, it seems to be working for them. 
Can I just ask? Yeah, we we we're seeing more and more, certainly as Arrow, yeah, um, conversations and engagements with with clients and customers around. I'll call it in its broadest sense the Internet of Things, but starting to connect other types of endpoints rather than phones, laptops, machines, branch, etc. Yeah, devices. Yep. Are you guys starting to see that that spread of of endpoints be affected by people adopting the connection of yeah, the, the physical world rather than just just people and devices? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a tough problem from an endpoint perspective. Yeah. Uh, most of those manufacturers are competing on uh, speed and cost. Yeah. So, so when you say we're competing against you on cost, security is probably not going to be present, <laughs> right? Um, so, so look, I think in in relation to a vendor like Carbon Black or an endpoint vendor that's out there, we we have to partner with the manufacturers, right? Yeah. So actually getting upstream of the problem, partnering with them uh, to either look at strong practices like application whitelisting out there. I mean, that's a great practice if you can get it for your IoT environment. Um, but detection and response in that in that in those particular environments, actually today probably uh, is where you should spend your time. Yeah. So yeah, look, uh, far be it from an endpoint vendor to say you're going to need some other tech, <laughs> but today you will, right? Yeah. Um, when you talk about threat hunting across an enterprise, you're going to have multiple data sets. Mm. One of those is probably going to be really good network visibility data yeah. uh, commingled with EDR data, right? Um, attacks for IoT look differently than they do on other devices, right? So, so you're going to need some behavioral analysis and those things uh, to extend. And then hopefully, some manufacturer out there partners with uh, a great endpoint company, uh, <laughs> and we just build some of that stuff in, right? Because, you know, the idea of like leaving behind a weaponized fridge you know, in an office building I was yeah. in, and then eavesdropping on the next company that moves in. You know, like those are like really close to reality today. So that's so, that's, so that so that leads me on nicely too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what sort of trends do you do you foresee coming down the line? I mean, because yeah, something like that is just weaponized fridge. Yeah, oh. a weapon. Like, why not? I mean, they're already uh, doing it to TVs. Yeah, I'm already using TVs as a listening device. So so <laughs> if I have an IP address and a microphone, which that oh, thing probably does, geez. right? Or, or, you know, I mean, look, it always starts with, like, the nuisance stuff. And we've seen that. Hey, fridges at, uh, I believe it was Home Depot, you know, might have had a, a, some adult material put on them, uh, right? Uh, uh, we've, see, we've seen that same case with, like, electronic billboards. Those are IoT devices, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and then it morphed to, to DDoS. So, so a little bit more of, like, destructive, and we're trying to eat up all the bandwidth and mm -hmm. take that stuff down. You're going to continue to see uh, millions of devices out there leveraged for those yeah. things. Um, which becomes pretty scary, but both on the, the host network and, and, and the, the network that's attacked. But yeah, I, I, look, attacks are going to follow a very similar evolutions to what they always have. And, and yeah, if I, if, I can, if I can send you some sort of IoT device as a, uh, uh, a piece of swag from a company, and I can listen to you on that piece of swag, like, like where, you know, like yeah. that's a tough thing to defend against today, right? And my, my friends and I may or may not be working on something to exfil data with um, FM signals, which becomes really hard to detect, right? So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a wow. tough one. It's a tough one. But today, I would say you, you, network visibility is huge for, for IoT devices. But I think that's, that's a really great point because that's what, uh, no one, I, I, what you've just said about a weaponized fridge <laughs> sounds so stupid. But it's I know it really so does, right? Like but when I say it, I go, "That's well, the no, terrible." But it's not. You, you, but, it's no, not no, no. but what I'm saying is, not. if you take a few seconds to think about it, it's not. Like literally, if you wanted to do some sort of corporate espionage, 
and you literally left really expensive, really nice IoT fridge in a building, and another company moved in, like a startup or something. You'd be like, shared workspace. Awesome. We're, we're not, not shared workspace. We're not getting rid of that. That's freaking awesome. Shared workspaces. This happens all the time too. I mean, I've I've done a number of uh, move ins and out of buildings, mm, yeah. uh, and a lot of organizations are like, hey, can can you leave your distribution switches and your cable? And I always thought that like I'm like, no, we're we're taking all of our things. We're not, you know. And then I was like, who would buy? Secondhand gray boxes that like someone else it, like I never kind of got that yeah. Uh, yeah expenses you know I guess it's maybe cheaper but uh, y- yeah so so now the idea that I, I have an IP address on a coffee machine that that sits in a break room where yeah. people talk all the time and by the way and that's where I always go I always go to the break room for my for calls that I can't do in the office oh everyone does so the reality yeah. is you're going to get one half of a of a really confidential right. call right. or two halves of a really confidential conversation because you get up and you go somewhere where no one else is and, and people are popping it out it's and, and and again it's it's an intelligence game right so so whether it's a couple of hackers that are reconning you uh, to to ransom your systems Mm. They're gathering intel, right? But then, but then, if you start to think bigger about that, uh, all of the nation states are doing that, right? So, so mm. data is the new oil. Yeah, nation states understand that, and one of the possible data sources are IoT devices. So, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, just, I'm just to say that those are going to be frantically unplugging every single fridge. No, no, <laughs> believe it, believe it or not, my uh, at my house we have no good no, no conversations anyone would want. So uh, they're <laughs> yeah, welcome no. to it. No, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. as I put a Google Home in every single room in the house now. So I'm literally, I'm done. I'm done. Google, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Because, uh, yeah, in a consumer world, you can go the other way and say, hey, I don't care if it's listening to me. As long as it gives me better optimized lifestyle, that's, that's fine. That's the thing. Yeah. But no, that's... that's and and then even if it's, look, even if it's not a breach or a, or a malicious group doing it, data collection still a thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy that you guys have some new privacy laws, and that's awesome. And I'd like to, like to see America, you know, start to talk about some of that stuff. But, but yeah, I, I mean... Like how many things do I need recording data about my spending habits? I don't know. Like I'm, you know, it's not just governments, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no, spending. Yeah, I must admit, I think our, uh, I don't think there's ever been knowledge better of, of what we spend, how we spend it. No, uh, it's just terrifying, absolutely terrifying. But that's the world we've we've decided to live in. Yeah, you know? it is. It is. But yeah. But look, but yeah, Rick, absolute pleasure having you on as always. always. Uh, I love so coming much. over. Uh, hopefully, I'll make it again next year. Yeah. We'll make it three for three. It'll be awesome. That'll be fantastic. But look, thank you ever so much. And thank you, guys. Uh, yeah. Have yeah. a great rest of the show. Always awesome. a pleasure. Cheers, you guys too. Cheers, Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this InfoSec Security Special. We're going to be back next week with more coverage from this fantastic event. Stay tuned and speak to you then.